You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. We pray no one would leave here without Jesus today. We pray for those that are sick in their body or maybe depressed, maybe lonely, Maybe their marriage is broken and it seems like it can't be fixed. Lord, pour out your joy in their hearts. Help them to see by bringing in a harvest of souls that all their needs will be met. Whether it's physical, financial, whatever it is, Lord, as we share the truth, as we bring souls into your kingdom, you will meet all of our needs. Reveal that to us today. Speak through me to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Genesis 8.22, it says that, as long as the earth remains, how many of you believe that we're still on earth? Amen? So the earth still remains. There will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest is still here. It's still alive. It's still real. 1 Corinthians 3.6, and the seed time and harvest I'm going to talk about first today is what? What Jesus said to sow the word. Like It's like a seed. Amen? How many of you have planted some seeds in people, the Word of God, and seen them come to Jesus? Paul told the church, the Corinthians, he said, I planted the seed in your hearts, and then Apollos watered it, but it was who that made it grow? It was God. Goes on to say, because people were worshiping people. Don't worship people, worship God. It's not about Pastor Joe, Pastor Alicia, Pastor John, it's not about... People, it's about him. But we are called to plant, and we are called to water. When, when it's Sunday and we got to go to church and our teen is sleeping, we pour water on their head to wake them up. I used to do that with my teens. Any of you got teens that didn't want to get up? I used to say, get me the water bottle. All of a sudden, everybody's up. God makes it grow. God gives the increase. And the next scripture says there, it's not about Paul, it's not about Paulus, it's all about God. John 12, 24. It's Pastor John's favorite scripture. I've known him long enough to know that. Jesus says, the time has come for me to return to my glory in heaven. I must fall and die like a kernel of wheat, like a seed that falls into the furrows or the soil of the earth. Unless I die, I will be alone. A single seed. That's like what we talked about last week. Jesus died. He was the first fruits of a harvest of believers. The firstborn of many to come. But he said, my death will produce many new seeds and a plentiful. Everybody say plentiful. plentiful. Get used to words like penny, plentiful and a lot and harvest and abundance. Because when you say those words, you're getting into agreement with God. Stop making him a crumb God. He is not a crumb God. He came that we might have life more full of crumbs. That we might have life and that more abundantly. A plentiful harvest of new lives. John 4, 35. And we're going to talk about this text today. He said to his disciples, after he shared the gospel with one woman, she went back to her town. Most of the town came back to see Jesus and get saved because of the one seed he planted. 
And they, were come, they went to buy food because they thought everybody was hungry. And they were, but Jesus wasn't. He said, my will is to do this. It's to share the gospel. And it's the will, his will for us as well. And he said to them, do you not say, or other translations, don't people say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Because every time they would plant, it was at least four months till the harvest. But he said, I say to you, lift up your eyes now. Everybody lift up your eyes for a second. And throughout the word of God, when God says lift up your eyes, he means get your eyes out of the gutter. Get your eyes out of the world. Get your eyes out of your stinking small thinking. He said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Your descendants will be greater than all the stars you can see. Lift up your eyes because they are already white for harvest. And when the harvest was white, you needed to get it quick because white means it's over. It's ready. It's now. Don't wait. And even though there wasn't a real harvest at that time, he said, if I say the harvest is now, it's the harvest is now. Amen? What day is today? Sunday? If Jesus walks in here and says, no, it's Monday, what day is it? Amen. Because he's Jesus. Now, some scholars say that the people that worked in Sychar, that town, that those workers actually dressed in white so they could be seen. So it's very possible that all those people that got saved were dressed in white, walking through the fields that weren't white. And he said, look, the fields are white unto harvest. And we know... We talked about it last week that one day we'll all be dressed in what? White. With palm branches in our hand. Maybe that was prophetically saying, look, the fields are white. There are people right there that will have a palm branch in heaven with you. Either way, he says, lift up your eyes. The harvest is now. Everybody say, the harvest, the harvest. is now. now. There's no time to wait, people. My friend that died the other day, the only important thing was, did he go to heaven? You ever see a hearse dragging at you all? Maybe. I said, did you ever see a hearse dragging a U-Haul? Can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. In John 4, we see that when they were just worried about food, and worried about getting out of the place, Samaria, that they didn't want to be in, Jesus saw a harvest. Listen, sometimes we see a nose ring and a tattoo, but Jesus sees a harvest. We see somebody hooked on drugs, Jesus sees a harvest. We see somebody depressed, ready to commit suicide, Jesus sees a harvest. We see a young man sentenced to go to prison, Jesus sees a harvest. We see people tied up in materialism. Jesus sees a harvest. What do you see? What do you see? Lift up your eyes and see what he saw. John 4.4. 4. Here's how Jesus brought about a harvest of a whole town. It says he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. In some translations said he had to go through. But here's the truth of the matter. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He didn't. He could have went around like all the religious Jews did at that time. They refused to go to Samaria 
because they looked at those people, they're lower than us, they don't worship the same God as us, they're a different culture, different race, unclean, stay away. They actually had their own mountain, Gerizim, and their own temple. But let me tell you something. You're going to have to go some places you don't want to go if you're going to bring a harvest of souls into the kingdom. You're going to have to go to some places you don't want to go. You ever, anybody walk through New York City, see homeless people laying there, smell and stink? Just saw one the other day, tried to share the gospel, but he was out of it. You're going to have to go some places you don't want to go. You're going to have to go to some cities you don't want to go. You have to go to some countries you don't want to go. My daughter was involved in YWAM, and they would pray about where they were going to go. Some people got to go to Hawaii. Ooh, that's a toughie. Some people get to go to Thailand, you know, and one of my daughters got to go to Thailand. She rode on an elephant, you know, it was awesome. My daughter Alex had to go to the Sudan. It was horrible. <laughs> it was so bad that the girls there, one being my daughter and the other girls, the young guys, they're in their 20s, there wasn't enough food, so the girls would give them some of their food. They felt so bad for the guys that there wasn't enough food for them to eat. It was dangerous. There was people with guns. Why do we let her do that, by the way? <laughs> Point being, it wasn't fantastic. But they went there, and they whole, held orphan babies, and they led people to Jesus. Because sometimes you got to go to a place you don't want to go. And we complain about going to somebody's house we don't want to go to. Or we see that cell number calling and we're like, not now. Jesus, therefore, was tired from his journey. But he still went through Samaria. He still went to the well. You ever get tired? Worn out? I don't want to do that today, really. Do I really have to minister to that couple again? They're going to say the same thing, hon. Do I really have to go pick that person up for church again? Do I really want to reach out to this person that's not responding to me? Yeah. You're going to be tired sometimes. You're not going to want to do it. Anybody? You're just like, I deserve some rest. <laughs> you ever say that? <laughs> Uh, you know, somebody else can do it, even when you know. But you, and there are times for that, but there are times that you know that you're called to do it. Jesus said he had to go there, and even though he was tired, he went there because he knew he was going to have a conversation with a woman, tired as he was. And if anybody had the right to say, I need to rest right now, it was Jesus. But the Holy Spirit said, no, right now I need you to go there. Right now I need you to pray for that person on the line and shop right right now. Not tomorrow, right now. You know why? Because when is the harvest? Right now. There are some things you'll have to go through, and though many times you'll be worn out. But trust me, if you bring a harvest of souls into the kingdom, everything that you need, the harvest of finances, of health, of joy, and peace will come into your life when you do what he's doing. John 4 verse 7, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples said, you're a Jew. Uh, his disciples had gone into town. But she said, you're a Jew, and you're asking drink from me, a Samaritan? I mean, we don't, we, we don't mix. We don't talk. We're not different race, different color, different creed. 
Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Let me tell you something. You bring a harvest in the kingdom, you have to cross some cultural lines. You're going to have to cross some racial lines. Race is such a big, it's such a big deal in society. It's like, please, could we just shut it down for a second? Neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. I was talking to this young pastor, my wife and I, one that we are mentoring, helping out, and he said, and he loves our church, praise God, but he said, you know what? Because we were talking about something, Rachel, and I, frankly, it's like conversations I really don't have a whole lot for some reason. And he said to me, he goes, you know what I really like about you is you don't see color. And it's true, I don't. It's true, I don't see color. You know why? Because I'm two colors myself. <laughs> I am. And I'd rather be colored. <laughs> I said, I'd rather be colored than be just plain white or black. I like colored. I want to have a little pizzazz. So you could call me a colored person. And you know, when I was growing up, they thought I was a colored person. Did you see that picture of me on Facebook with that big afro? I bet you none of you sported an afro that big. Did you see it? And when I was young, my skin was so dark, and all my friends were black or African-American or whatever you want me to say, whatever makes you comfortable, okay? But all my friends were. I was the only white kid in my class. They used to sing to me, white cracker, white cracker, you don't shine. Bet you $5, I'll kick you behind. Oh, yeah. I got beat up all the time. I lived in Remsen Avenue, New Brunswick. Now, do you understand what that means? You do? You do. Okay. I bet you don't. I bet you I could give you a little, but I'm not going to talk about it now. There's a big revelation in that that you may not understand. But everybody thought I was black. I mean, maybe it's because I dance so good, too. And I'm not stereotyping here. And I am a great athlete. White men can't jump. It really is true. But don't get, because you know what? Let's celebrate our diversity. Let's love one another. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what? To be honest with you, I don't want to go to an all-white church. I don't. I don't want to hear white boy music all day and night. And I want to go to an all-black church. And I definitely don't want to go to an all-Latino church. No. No offense over here, but you people scare me because I don't know what you're saying. And it... <laughs> I love... Praise God. I'm done. I'm dead. It's over. But we have to be able to talk about this stuff openly. Amen? Because I'm colored. It's all right. It doesn't matter. I have two different pigments in my skin, okay? So I can say whatever I want. You got to be willing to cross. You got to be willing to cross over. Are you willing to cross over? Pastor Courtney was sharing a story with me. He is a manager at uh, at the pier, at the piers over there, where all those big containers come in. He's a manager, and that sometimes he gets to bless people with something. And there was a truck, and he was going to bless one of the guys with it at work to give them a truck. He gave it to the Italian guy, 
And he told me that all the black friends came up to him and said, what are you doing? Yeah. And Courtney, Pastor Courtney was like, I, I don't see color. I gave it to him because he was Italian. No, he said, <laughs> no, he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, no. He said, I, I didn't see color. It, it was just who God told me to do it. I just did. It wasn't even a thought in his mind. But he was trying to, you know, he was trying to get me to think a little bit because I don't even think that way, people. I just don't even think that way. It's just like, I don't know, we're just all people, amen? And we all have souls, and we're all going to die one day, and we're all going to spend eternity together, the ones that put our faith and trust in Jesus, who, by the way, was Jamaican, I'm convinced. (laughs) See? He said, I'm the son of man. Yaman, son of man. <laughs> son of man. Because if you knew the gift of God, see, we have something for everybody. I want to share something with you real quick. On 9-11, I lost a lot of my friends. I worked on Wall Street. Literally a month before 9-11, a friend of mine came in for a job at my company And I was the guy who interviewed him. He didn't get the job. He got a job for Kenneth Fitzgerald, and he died a month later. I had his email on my server. I couldn't erase it. I couldn't erase it. My friend's wife, she was on the 91st floor. She got hit by the first plane. Boom, dead. My friends that are firefighters that I played sports with died. People that I work with next to in the pit died. And the Lord said to me, okay, you're preaching this message about, you know, do you see a harvest crossing cultural lines? And he said to me, what about Osama bin Laden? What about terrorists? And I was like, whoa. I said, from now on, God, I'm going to see a harvest. As as, As hard as it is for me. So to sit here and say that I'm not prejudiced or that I don't have prejudices would be a lie. That would be a lie. It's something that plagues us. The devil uses it, you know. I don't see color, but maybe I see some other things. Religion or what others believe. I think that makes me even more, it it plays with me even more. But do you know that God can save them? They need Jesus because they're going to die and there ain't going to be 72 virgins. I got news for you. I doubt there's 72 virgins in heaven. Anyway, I'm just messing around. I'm just kidding. Don't get prejudiced. Don't judge me. Don't do it. Every once in a while, I joke and I go too far. I did, okay? Too bad. (laughs) I make mistakes. I do. I do it all the time. I find out when I go home. <laughs> There's a fine line between joking around and preaching. Amen? And I break it all the time. I just I just do cuz I like to laugh. But if you knew the gift of God, hey, if Osama bin Laden had known the gift of God, he wouldn't have done what he did. He was doing it for God. He you know who he's like? He's like Paul. Paul was killing Christians and he thought it was for God. 
Paul was a terrorist. Wow. Okay, let's move on here. (laughs) If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of grace, the gift of mercy, and who it is. See, it's about a gift and about who it is. Who it is. Who is it? It's Jesus. Proverbs 11.30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. How many of you have done that? So when you get around people, the fruit of your life is a tree of life to those around you. You are a tree of life to people around you. You are called to give them that fruit from the Garden of Eden that would give them eternal life. You have that to offer people. And it says, he who wins souls is what? Wise. Why? Because by winning souls, you bring blessings and crowns and rewards and joy and everything else to yourself. You know what I tell people if they're depressed or couples that aren't doing well together? I say, go minister together. Hey, couples, go minister together. Don't just go out on a date. Minister together. That's where it really breaks down. Oh, yeah. Go to the youth shelter together and pray over people. On the line at ShopRite, the two of you lay hands on the person. We were in uh, Steinmart. I was there following you. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, though. I always buy more. It's the weirdest thing. I always spend more, don't I? Yeah. Not really. But anyway, just make everybody feel better. Anyway, we're in Stein Martin. There's a woman there. She just, hey, hey, Pastor Alicia. Remember me? Church? Yeah, I do remember you. I don't know if she's here today. I don't want to look around, but she might be here today. But she comes up and Alicia says, come over here. Come over here. Pastor Joe. She calls me Pastor Joe in Stein Martin. Pastor Joe, come here. She says, come over. And we were in there, and, and, and <laughs> we're laying hands on this woman in the middle of Steinmart, and, and I'm feeling so close to my wife right now. You know what I'm saying? Because we're in Steinmart, I'm not mad. Like, <laughs> like we're in Steinmart, I'm not mad because we're spending a lot of money, but we're there because God put us there, and we're praying together over this woman, making a difference together. And in that, I got such joy. Anybody here ever minister with your spouse? And just receive that joy because you're walking in wisdom. John 4.11 says this, Sir, she said, you have, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? What's the answer to that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, people don't understand that we have the greatest. We have the top. We have the cream of the crop. Who gave us the well, drank from it, and sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, if you drink this water, the water you're drinking, the life you're living, without Jesus, you'll just constantly be thirsty. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Before Jesus, I kept doing drugs to feel better, and it never satisfied me to the point where it almost killed me. Some of you and some of us, we chased money. We chased women, or we chased men, or we chased fame. We, or whatever it was we chased, it was never enough. 
It was never enough. But Gail sings it really well. Jesus is the cup that won't run dry. I, I, that is my favorite line in that song. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. If you drink that water, you will what? Never. Everybody say never. Never, never thirst. You have a gift to give to the world that they'll never thirst again. Ever. And it wells up to everlasting life. Eternal. Forever. That's why I say when you give, Jesus said lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. He wasn't talking about money. He's talking about souls. He's talking about people. Souls that will be saved for eternity. You're not taking any money with you to heaven. Everybody say amen. The streets are made of gold there. You can't even afford anything there. You can't afford a pebble. But to go to heaven and be able to look at the treasure that was stored up, the people, wow. I'm so excited about that. You know, he, it goes on to say this in John 15. John 4, 15. Sir, give me this water, that one that doesn't get me thirsty. And then they have a little talk. And he says to her, go get your husband and come here. He's having a conversation with her. When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody? We cut them off so quick. I do it a lot. And if I do it with my wife and my kids, I'll do it with people on the outside as well. No, people just need some time for you to listen. And they just want to talk and talk <laughs> and talk. And sometimes you do what's difficult. You listen, you listen, you listen. And then he goes, he goes on to say that, uh, and she says, I have no husband. So as he talked, she started to open up. Do you know that? If you give people time, if you talk to them, they'll start to open up a little bit. It's very difficult sometimes. I have, my youngest son is autistic, and he has a real tr problem like expressing himself. And sometimes I will literally sit with him for 15 minutes before he says a word. But then I get to hear him, you know? So just pray for my son Josh, because he's just he's going through it right now. But it takes patience. Something... I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't born with, amen, but it's a fruit of the Spirit, and I'm learning, and through that, I'm learning how to listen. See, my wife's a great listener, okay? All day, I'll be walking through the house, and she's on the phone, she's not saying anything, and I don't know she's on the phone. So when I say, Lisa, could you get me something to eat? I'm dying over here. I'm starving over here. Now she's going to say, your nourishment is to do the will of your father. Go save people. Um... <laughs> I just gave you that. It's like a layup. You know, and because she's listening to people, and people just sometimes they just need you to listen. So he says, you have well said, and he finally says, you spoke truly. Can we get real? People want to get real. I mean, people will get real with you. It's amazing. Did you ever just start a conversation with somebody in shop right, and a second later, they're dumping heavy-duty stuff on you? I'm like, whoop, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> But people want real. Somebody told me last week, said, you know what I love about Grace Church? I was like, what? <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> Hold on one second. Now, what is it that you love about Grace Church? Everybody's so real. 
I mean, like me or everybody, everybody. <laughs> Just real. They like that. They like that. They like that everybody's transparent. Not to the utmost transparency, but at least real enough to get grace in your face. Because grace has to little, be a little grace in your face sometimes. Amen? How many of you know somebody here in this church will get in your face once or twice or ten times? You know what? Speak the truth and love to one another. Sometimes people just need to hear the truth. And this woman appreciated it. Amen. For any harvest, there must be a reality check. Religion is phony. Sometimes we got to get real. So after they got real, she got a little uncomfortable. <laughs> and she started talking about worshiping. Remember? She was like, well, you know, we're Samaritans, and we worship on this mountain, and you worship on that mountain, and our church, we do this, and we're just a little different. Any of you? Like, I'll be, I'll be trying to preach to something, and all of a sudden they go, I'm Catholic. And to me, you know what that means? Because I grew up with a bunch of people that were Catholic. It means I'm Catholic, but I don't go to church, and I don't do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean all Catholics are like that. As a matter of fact, Last Tuesday, an old guy comes to the church. He's been searching for me, he said. He was a friend of my father. And he started telling me all this stuff that I didn't know. And I said, wait a second. <laughs> Do I really want to know? Okay, tell me. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, I'm Catholic. Because I was saying, well, why don't you come out to church? And he goes, I'm Catholic, but I could come to your church. He goes, you know, I'm a Catholic and, and I speak in tongues. He goes, I'm a born-again Catholic. He goes, in the 80s, the priest used to be upstairs. We used to go downstairs in the basement and speak in tongues and pray for healing over people. He said, we saw miracles all the time. I was like, damn. Just blew my mind. You know? But people sometimes will say, well, I'm Lutheran or I'm Catholic or whatever. That's basically saying, I don't want to talk to you no more. <laughs> it's getting too real for me. You know, people start talking. How many of you try to share and they start talking religion to you? You know what I mean? Well, that's not how I do it. And your past is a little crazy. And, you know, your worship team is a little loud. And, you know, let's just stop it right there. That's just a smoke screen, everybody. Because things were starting to get real. But you know what you do then? You do what Jesus did. Point them to him. Look at the next scripture right here. John 4, 25. I love this. So she says, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I speak to you and he. She said, I know the Messiah is coming. She's right. And when I talk to Jewish people about Jesus, we, talk, we say Yeshua or Messiah. I go, you believe the Messiah is coming? They go, yeah. And I go, yeah, I believe so too. He is coming. For me, he's coming again. But for you, it might be the first time, but he is coming See, they found something to agree on. See, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, find something you can agree on. Because eventually, they, somebody might say, well, I, you know, do you ever talk to somebody you're talking to? The, if they start out an atheist, by the end of the time, it's like, well, I do believe there is something. I do believe there is, and I go, a God? <laughs> well, it's a higher power. You mean God? <laughs> Somebody up there, you mean God? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to say it, but you agree on something. And then Jesus said, 
I who speak to you am he. Just point them to Jesus. We plant, we water, but he makes it grow. He gives the increase. So it says in the next scripture, verse 28, she left her water pot, went into the city, said to the man, could this be the Christ? Said to the man, could this be the Christ? This guy who told me everything that I ever did? Did you ever go to church and get your mail read? Did you ever run into a prophet and they read your mail right there? And Anybody? You had somebody speak to you and you're like, what? You know how I got saved? You've heard the story, two in the morning, blah, blah, blah. I hadn't slapped drugs, blah, 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 two in the morning. Picked up a Bible, right? I'm reading through the Bible that my brother gave me. By the time I got to chapter 3, the word started really starting to really penetrate me. You know why? Because I was like, this guy knows everything. He's got like eyes that see through me. They see through me. Everything being said here is about me. Men did their deeds in the dark. They didn't want to do them before God because they were evil. They didn't want to come into the light. And I was like, oh, my God, that's me. He knows me. And the more I read and the more he talked about people, I realized this guy knows me. This guy knows me. Did you ever get a word for somebody or, or walk up to somebody and you just knew about them right away? Many times there are people that are really discerning. They can tell you about a person by just meeting them for a second. Do you know that? Are any of you like that? Raise your hand if you have that gift of discernment. Don't get offended. Because people with that gift, sometimes somebody comes to the church and right away they get a bad feeling about that person. And the feeling is probably right. But you know what? From now on, you're going to look and say, that's a harvest. Because we're not here to reject people because of some spirit that's in them or whatever. I, you know, a lot of the people that get that gift don't last in the church. Please don't be those people. Please don't be those people. They start to get caught up on somebody. They know there's something wrong in their life. Listen, there's something wrong in everybody's life a little bit. But you can't control it. God has given you that gift so you can see them as they need to be harvested. They need Jesus. They need help. They need healing. They don't need, you don't need to go to the pastor and say, this is how I feel like that person. No. No. See them as a harvest. See them as potential. See them as being able to solve somebody's problem. Amen. It's real though. Sometimes people will read your mail. It's true, you'll be up here, and somebody in our prayer team will be praying for you, and they're going to say something. How many of this has happened to you? And it was like, oh my God, they've been to my house. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it happens. So what happens? They come back to Jesus if they buy the food, and this is what Jesus says. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say to you, look around. The fields are ripe. The harvesters are paid. The fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits them both? Listen to me. There's nothing that you do for God that doesn't have a blessing attached to it. I'm going to tell you something. There was a little girl up in the second row here today while we were worshiping. 
And this little girl, I don't know how old she is, but she had her hand up like this. She was worshiping. And the Lord said, reward her. So I did. Because there's a reward for everything you do for God. I wanted her to know, and God said, let her know that there's a reward, a reward for her. This young girl sitting there and worshiping Jesus. Because there's, there's a reward for it all. God doesn't ask you to do something that he isn't going to reward you for when you're doing it for his kingdom. And he says, first of all, nourishment. See, you want to be nourished? Lead somebody to Jesus. Every time somebody walks up to this altar and gets saved, man, I have eaten. I don't eat a cheeseburger till like 8 o'clock. Usually a steak on Sunday. But I feel so well fed. Because somebody came into the kingdom, because that's what I'm all about, and that's why I'm here, and that's what I pray in the morning, and that's what I prayed last night, and that's what I put in my envelopes, and that's what I pray during the week, and that's why I do everything I do. Because you know what? The only thing I'm going to be rewarded for are the people that come into the kingdom of God. Not for a great sermon, not for a great worship service, not because I was nice to somebody, but how many people cross from death to life? And I want to hear, good job. Well done. Look, my nourishment. You Listen, if you don't feel nourished, if you feel dry, share the word with someone. See someone's life totally changed. He said four months and then the harvest. I say to you, look up now. The fields are ripe now. Are you looking for the harvest? Whatever it might be. Are you looking for your financial harvest? Are you looking for your healing harvest? Are you looking for the harvest of friends? People are always, I don't have any friends. Go lead somebody to Jesus. You'll have a friend for life. Amen. I got to deal with these two over here, okay? <laughs> Maria and Jamie on Facebook all day sending each other love notes. Gosh, who's your sister? Your sister in Christ. Who's your best friend forever? My sister in Jesus. God. Finally, in my comment section, I went, oh, God. And I did the little rolling eyes. No, I'm not doing that mushy brother stuff. I love them, but I ain't going on Facebook. Get your own chat room. Jeez. All day and night. Did you ever see it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those two. Raise your hand. Help me stop it. It's so nice. It's so nice. I'm done with it. Maybe I'm just jealous. Marcos, give me a hug, man. I love you, man. Come on, you big white boy. Give me a hug. Maybe I'm just jealous. All day with the BFF, the BFF, the BFF, my sister, my ah, ah, ah. But you know what? Because of eternal life, they said, the two of them said, you know, I prayed for somebody to come into my life and be my friend. If you don't have any friends, lead somebody to Jesus. You'll have a friend forever. Jamie led Todd to Jesus, and now he's a friend. First Thessalonians 2, 19. After all, what gives us hope and joy? That's right. 
And what will be our reward and crown? You. Paul said to them, you'll be my reward. You'll be my crown. You'll be my pride and joy. He said, you. He was talking to the people that he helped lead to Jesus. Look around you. You know what your pride and joy is? You. You. Look at somebody say, it's you. It's you. Yeah. Go ahead, look at me, hon. Todd and Marcos, look right at me. Thank you. I don't want those two looking at each other. Get in between them. It is you. Yes, you. Yes. Look around. This is our pride. This is our joy. This is our reward. It's people. I like to say the answer to every problem is what? A person. You're thinking the, that every problem is a person. I am telling you this. People are made to be solutions to others' problems. Now, Jesus was the solution to all our problems. Alicia was the solution to some of my problems. Amen. Any of you have some people in your life that are solution to a problem? Amen. Some of you are looking for a spouse so you can have another problem. <laughs> This is her. I'm going to share something real quick with you. I went a little longer than normal, but this is really important about bringing souls into the kingdom. Why? It's our, it's a blessing to us. It, it's all, like when you bring people in, it blesses you. The more people, the more solutions. See, I look at people and I see possibility. I see talent. I see opportunity. Some of us, we see people and we see the exit. <laughs> there was a young girl 15 years ago. She was Hungarian. She was, I don't know how we did this because we didn't have any money, but you had somebody helping you clean the house. When you got six kids and a, a neat husband, um, you, sometimes you need a little help. And this girl, Andi, would come to our house every once in a while, help clean. One day I got home work from work early. Actually, I lost my job that day, but that's another story. So I got... Every time I got home work early, it was like, hi, hon. <laughs> She's like, what happened? Nothing. They let us out early. You know, the stock market closed early. Not. Anyway, got home early that day. She's in the dining room with Andy. They're like holding hands. They're in the chairs holding hands. Andy's crying. I find out later, Andy gave her heart to the Lord that day. Andy now. So Andy goes back to Hungary. We don't hear, you know, Andy, bye-bye, Andy. She's in Hungary. Next thing we know, she's married with kids, and she's working for New Tribes Missions. She is a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And it was just one little, one little afternoon. Literally, after she got saved, we didn't see her again. It was, it was very soon after that. I was like, where'd Andy go? <laughs> she get raptured? Did I miss it? What happened? Andy was gone. But now we support Andy as one of our missionaries, leading people to Jesus. Every time she sends us an email, I'm full of joy. I'm like, what is going on? Andy is like a missionary leading like, I don't know how many people to Jesus. See, because Jesus got one woman, and then it says that the whole city came. The whole city came. Many Samaritans, many believed. Many Samaritans, many believed in the city.
because of Jesus sharing with one person. You know, they don't even know who led Billy Graham to Jesus. Pretty sure I read that, that they don't even know. It was just somebody, you know. But I guarantee you when they get to heaven, they're going to know. And many of you have led people to Jesus, and you don't even know it. But right now, they are leading hundreds, if not thousands of people through the line that you did, that you started. But remember, there's a reward with it. More people in your life, more people in the kingdom, doing God's work. One day he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll be in eternity, and you'll see Maria and Jamie hugging. I mean, one day you'll see all those people that you had an influence on. Amen? So when you bring a harvest in, you're doing God's work. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes right now. I want to make sure that everybody is a part of the harvest, which means that you've given your heart to Jesus. you put your faith and trust in Him. Just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your Son. He died on the cross. His blood covers my sin. You raised him from the dead three days later so I could have eternal life. He was perfect. I'm imperfect. But the perfect died that the imperfect could be whole. Today I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Come into my heart. Amen. Amen. Close your eyes, bow your head, just for a second. Are you 100% sure if you die tonight, you spend eternity in heaven? If not, this is your chance to acknowledge Jesus. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you said that prayer and you meant it. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand high to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Anybody here wants to receive Jesus? Amen. I pray that means that everybody here is saved. Amen. The worship team can come up right now. We are going to have an altar call right now. The Lord told me to do this today. I wasn't planning on doing it, but we're going to do it. Because many times the harvest of finances is something that's just weighing on us. We don't get a chance to come to God about it. We don't get a chance to to really talk about it. It's something that Christians a lot of time get religious about and they don't want to really acknowledge, but that's not something we do here because we're real here. Okay. So if if you know you've been waiting and praying and believing for a financial harvest in your life, I want you to come forward right now so I can pray for you. You're waiting, believing and praying for a financial harvest in your life whether it be your business or your career. Because I know, listen, I know how it feels. I'm not one talking like I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't even, I didn't even have a plastic one, okay? <laughs> I, I, I didn't even have a plastic spoon. As a matter of fact, I didn't even have a paper spoon. <laughs> For the predominance of my childhood, I lived on Government food and food stamps rarely ate a good meal. I understand what it is to be poor. Even after getting saved, even after working on Wall Street, 
I became poorer than I even was growing up a few times. I understand lack. I understand the hurt and the pain of not being able to pay your bills. I understand the pressure and the stress. Everybody can move up a little bit. Because I'm now that I see how many people up here, I, I can't, I'm not gonna lay hands on every single person, but I am gonna have our prayer team pray for you because they feel the same way about it. They know that poverty is a curse of the devil. There's nowhere in the Bible that where God says you're supposed to be poor. As a matter of fact, it says that Jesus said, I have some good news from the poor. And the only good news that the poor could get is that they're going to be poor no more. Now listen, none of you here are poor. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're not poor. You're living better than 90% of the world. But on the other hand, you're living where you're living. You know, you were born where you were born. So there's nothing wrong with you coming up here to ask God for a harvest in your life, a financial harvest. It is fine. It is what he wants. He wants you to be real. If you didn't do it, you'd be phony. If you didn't do it, you'd be withholding from God. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something before we pray. The key isn't this prayer right now. The key is, is that you go out and you lead people to Jesus. That is the key to a financial harvest. As crazy as it sounds, it's the truth. Because when you do what God is doing on the earth, he'll take care of what you need on the earth. Because as long as the earth remains, so does seed time and harvest. We are on, an, we are on the earth. And this is how it works on the earth. One day we'll be in heaven. It works totally different there. The whole financial system is totally different there. There is none. <laughs> Everybody just has everything there. But you know, you can have heaven on earth. Did you know that? You can become a clearing house for God. When we used to have church on Wall Street, we used to talk about being a clearing house for God. What is that? A clearing house is a place where people that trade, they buy and sell. Okay? Money flows through a clearinghouse back and forth. God wants to flow through you back and forth. Earth to heaven, heaven to earth, back and forth. He wants you to be a clearinghouse. When he fed the 20,000, Jesus took the bread and the loaves, gave it to the disciples. They bought it out there. They came back more. You're just a conduit. You're a conduit of salvation. You're a conduit of blessing. And when you get become part of that, part of what he's doing, what happened? After they fed everybody, every one of the people that did the work had a basket left over for themselves. Because Jesus was like, when you do my work, when you're a conduit for me, you'll never be left with nothing. So you just have to get it. You have to become the middleman, the clearing house for what God is doing on the earth. You do it by faith and you do it by purpose. Who, who is above him in all the earth? <laughs> Nobody. He controls the earth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You think he doesn't know about your financial situation? Yes, he does. And before we release everybody to pray for you, I want everybody here just to raise your hands up. Just start to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a blessing for finances. There is. Joseph had it. Solomon had it. Most importantly, Jesus had it. 
it was an anointing. It was an anointing to, to be a clearinghouse for God. See, when Jesus broke the loaves, they had to receive them. They had to receive them. They had to take them in their hands, and they had to go with what they had, and then they had to give it away. <laughs> See, because the key is giving it away. Because when you give it away, he gives you more. And then you give it away, and he gives you more. You give it away, he gives you more. And before you know it, there's baskets everywhere. See, but that's what people don't understand. They think it's here for me, and now I keep it. No, that's not how it works. When you see everything the way he sees it, it's just, it's just a transfer. People are like, how do they make money on Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. That's how they make it. They just transfer. It works kind of like the kingdom. You have to be a transfer station. You have to be one that is able to receive and one that's able to give. Because Jesus said, when you give, you receive. So you give, you receive. I, I could go on for hours about this, but I think you got it. All right? So right now, in the name of Jesus, as you stretch out your hands, maybe you never even did that before. Some of you have a problem receiving, for God's sakes. Some of you, you're better at giving than receiving, and that's good, but, you know, there is a time to receive. There is a time to receive. There is a time to take hold of something. There is an anointing for this. It just doesn't happen. There's an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for finances. There's an anointing for peace. There's an anointing for love. But right now we're going to release. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Right now. Father, pour out your anointing from the right side of your throne into your temple, your house right now. An anointing for a harvest of finances for everyone here right now that is willing to receive it in the name of Jesus. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out in the spirit and it will manifest in the flesh in the name of Jesus. Pour it out, God. Right now, pour it out like a river of living water. Pour it out to your people. Now my, our prayer people are going to get into agreement with every one of you that your finances, that your harvest is coming in. Jesus said, people say, people say four months till the harvest. But I say, look now. Look now. Expect now. Stop waiting for tomorrow. Stop waiting for next week. Look now because the fields are ripe unto harvest. He can change your finances like that. He changed your life with a snap of a finger. He can change your finances now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's pray. Let's pray for everybody here. Let's worship. Let's pray.